KZSU Stanford. I'm Mark Molino. This is Henry George Program, a show about land, land use, and other stuff. Today in the program, we have back on Alan Joyce. He is someone who has written multiple books about Disneyland, and we are talking about Disney parks and the weird ways they use land and the governments involved, including their own. Let's just get into things. Welcome, Alan. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, so this show is about how land is used. And if you want to look at an extreme case, some of the most extreme cases on Earth happen at the Disney parks. Some of the weirdest stuff, some of the uh, the edge cases you determine things by. Such so, as Disneyland. Such as Disneyland. Yeah. Disneyland Resort uh, is a is it's in Anaheim, California. And as it says right in the front of it, Disneyland is your land. Is that true? Uh, that is that their that's not is that that's not their slogan. I believe it's on the plaque in the front. Oh, oh, well, because that's part of Walt's speech. Sure, Disneyland is your land, a, a land with the hope and promise of the future, and yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, Walt's speech. <laughs> I just don't think it really is true that it's my land. I think it actually. Well, to all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland yep. is your land. Here, age relives fond memories of the past, and here, youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. As far as I'm concerned, you have to pay a hundred bucks to get into it and spend time there. You can that- you can hang out in the Esplanade. Yeah, so we should talk about the Esplanade, but for later. Disneyland is it's different than most cities, although in a lot of ways it is uh, a very hyper optimized place. Here is something that kind of came up recently, uh, which is people using Disneyland as a reason for Prop 13 reform. And they say, mm. look at your castle. Your castle, you pay point four dollars per square foot. Disneyland's castle, they pay they pay five cents per square foot. Is that right? We think that Disneyland should pay more because they're they're rich, and I'd say in a lot of ways Disneyland does use their land better than the average resident uses their land. It's a very yes they they every every square foot of of the land within the Disneyland berm is extremely optimized uh, to to produce value for visitors essentially. And and I'll say this you ha- you have your residence. You're going to have a garage, which is mandated. You're going to have a, a driveway and street parking in Disneyland. Can you park next to the Haunted Mansion? Um, sometimes. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I don't. <laughs> well, think not the you. Person- you you probably can't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, history of Disneyland. Uh, Disneyland opened 1955. Mm-hmm. Originally envisioned as uh, a studio tour. And then he realized, I want to do more fun stuff. Uh, and he was looking at urban uh, theme parks or, like, I guess just a, a place like Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen, uh, which is, like, right in the heart of downtown. And says, hey, what if we did that here? And he became very aware, that's hard. It's very hard to get land in a nice downtown area to mm-hmm. open a theme park. And and yet, years later, they would with Disney <laughs> Quest. And that worked in, out great. In downtown Chicago. <laughs> and that was amazing, yeah. I mean, I think that showed one limit of that, which is they try to use this urban Chicago land well. Uh, and, I mean, and it didn't, didn't pay off in the long run. Uh, so instead- Paid off in the short run, though. Huge, yes. huge windfall. Made memories. Uh, yes, made fans Mem- for life. Memory windfall. Yeah. Uh, so instead of getting urban land in Burbank near the studio, he had bourbon go- land. A uh, bourbon land. Yes. Uh, he had to go where no one was. Uh, who wanted land? He had to go way out. You know, hyper sprawl into the orange groves. Bought 160 acres of orange groves, which you think would be enough. Uh, you think 160 acres? That's plenty. Yeah, I mean, for, for whatever sort of theme park you know escapades I want to get done, here. it basically covers the two parks today. It covers Disneyland, eighty-five acres, yep. and uh, Disney California Adventure, seventy-two acres. Yeah, no, they they have, well, I mean, because of the nature of the dynamics we'll talk about, they have not been able to acquire a whole lot more land in that area. Yeah, they own- which is which is crazy given I mean the resources they have. Uh, available to them as as the Walt Disney Corporation. Walt Disney went big. He didn't say, I'm going to do this and have a lot of money liquid afterwards. He maxed out what he could buy, and then he was basically broke afterwards. Can, can you imagine having <laughs> what we would think of as, as more like a scalable business, you know, the the Disney film franchises and, and uh, studios? Sure. 
and, and decide, actually, we're going to take all of our spare capital and invest it in what is essentially a lifestyle business of building this single theme park. Which is something <laughs> that did not exist before. Yeah. This is something which is <laughs> yeah. brand new in the world. And he says, this is now what we're putting all our money in. Yeah. And, I mean, he was very smart in how did he find ways to finance it. He says, okay, we can leverage TV shows to promote the theme park and the other shows that we have on on it will tell people to go to the theme park which will in, t- in turn promote our shows and mm-hmm. I mean he was a master of synergy uh, but yeah I mean he spent all the money to barely make the start and like even like the Disneyland Hotel which is a massive uh, kind of core part. The monorail just goes right up to it. They didn't own for uh, decades, and there were there were huge contractual disputes around the Disney Disneyland Hotel and licensing of the name to it, and and yeah. the relationship between uh, Walt Disney and the owner of the hotel, whose name I forget, uh, Jack Warther. Jack Warther. Yeah, I should look this Who's up. Was a, t- a TV producer. He owned like Las Vegas hotels, and I mean, makes you say that you know he was forced to have neighbors he did not really control Mm -hmm. and you know what started as orange groves immediately afterwards now it's a disneyland theme park and it's a bunch of other jack rather rather excuse me uh a bunch of business partners like the people around the disneyland hotel and then immediately the city of anaheim says okay everyone wants to build near disneyland this is this is mega (laughs) bucks so they just said everybody sure go ahead uh, and then there is a ton of uh, of motels, and uh, I think. Uh, well, what would you say about these motels? They're not good. <laughs> they are great. They're not. The area around Disneyland is very unappealing. Um, and I, for a variety of reasons. And here's the thing: for as unappealing as it is now, it was much, much worse. Wait, well, it was Orange Groves. Well, no, what I'm saying is up until the late 90s, I mm. think it was much more of a free-for-all until sure. the Anaheim created, Resort area. The Anaheim Resort area, which was meant to actually clean up. Uh, here's a quote from Disney. Uh, Disney's strong emphasis on the importance of controlling the area so it does not become the jungle of signs, lights, and fly-by-night operations that would have fed on Disneyland's audience. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he, let's talk about this in terms of land value. So valueless land was actually improved pretty much single-handedly through a massive improvement scheme. Mm -hmm. And because of that, people who were nearby landowners really kind of reaped the reward and made a lot of money on what are essentially very crappy motels. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the exact dynamics of, I'd assume the the surrounding landowners initially were other farmers. Yeah, but I mean, if you were an orange farmer who... You learned one day, my neighbor is now Disneyland. You are in the long term going to cash out big. Yeah, I think initially, though, you're extremely unhappy. It's bad for the oranges, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that is, and that is the dynamic of things changing, which is in the short term, it's change. You just want to grow oranges. It sucks. In the long term, the money helps a little bit if you're a landowner. If yeah. You, if you're a sharecropper, I'm sure it just sucked. Yes. I don't know if there were sharecroppers in Orange I County. I doubt there were or I doubt there were sharecroppers in the Orange County Orange Groves. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? No way to know. Uh, and now we have the wonderful uh, Magic Mouse Townhouses vacation rentals right next door. That one's next to the parking lot. Um, they've got all these nice roads: Cedar, Aspen, Fire B. Oh, Fire B Lane. Nice. So here's a question. Would it have been better for everybody if Disney was able to grow Disneyland in Burbank, California instead and make it big instead of going down to uh, to Anaheim? Would have been better for everybody. Um, uh, I guess it depends. I mean, I think actually the uh, this sort of of enterprise seems like something that because it is its own draw, it doesn't necessarily have to be near other stuff. But like people are are willing to travel for Disneyland, and also there isn't that much. I mean, for some people there is, but for the majority of people, there's not that much value to living or working next to Disneyland. It's a thing. It's an occasional thing that you can make a trip to. It's not an everyday thing, right? I think this is using the kind of mindset of there shouldn't be theme parks next to me because it's so rare. If there were, if it was very common that most downtown areas just had a theme nat- park, had theme parks, it's like, oh yeah, this is, I would hate to live in a city that doesn't have a bunch of urban theme parks. Maybe. I mean, but I think for- Passing by Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, uh, 
But I, just in terms, I live of, a ten minute drive from Great America. Yeah, and that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. But I, it feels like in terms of of optimally using space, you'd want to prioritize the things people do every day versus the things that people are doing once a year. I think that you're you're arguing that a theme park would become an everyday event if it was centrally located. I think in a lot of ways it is an optimal use of space. It it it's a certain use of space, but it's a good use of space. But you could make the case that you want a ton of space. It could go out. But you have you have something that is is you know I mean yes it's an efficient use of space for what it is, but it still needs a lot of space. Sure, right to be good. Um, yeah. I mean, you can build small theme parks, but for the ambition of something like Disneyland, you need yeah. a lot of space. And it's something that, again, like uh, provided it's it's properly connected, you know, uh, via roads and public transit. It's something people are willing to spend an hour or so to get to because it's such a destination. Um, and it's not something that, you know, if if you were to build, um, I don't know, you know, a city park an hour out of town, people are probably not going to spend an hour getting to the park, right? So yes. you want the park to be downtown. You you don't necessarily need Disneyland to be downtown. I think that's fair, although I think that is looking at how resorts tend to be built today. And I think if it was easier for people to make crazy private theme parks in downtown areas, <laughs> you'd probably see more of it. And I think you'd, you'd say- Well, that's I- basically Las Vegas, I mean, it's the Vegas model, right? Yeah, and it works. And, and it works, and everyone wants to live right next to. Yeah. That's all. That's. I mean, that's just one point. But I mean, it is a resort model. It works. But uh, here, I I guess one central question I want to ask on this show, which is, uh, does does Anaheim owe Disney for the existence of Disneyland, or does Disneyland owe Anaheim? Uh, so because they are always squabbling, right? Uh, I would say, I mean, on balance, Anaheim owes Disney in terms of like the the value that's been generated there has been generated by the uh, whatever the the vision, the hard work, the years of of uh, investment and growth, et cetera, of the Disneyland property. Yeah. Um, and so, on balance, I think Anaheim owes Disney. I think the part where it gets complicated is you can also make an argument that. Um, you know, Anaheim may have not asked for Disney um, and, and had, you know, the, it, I don't know that they, uh, I don't actually know what the original transaction, whether the city of Anaheim was, was super involved with the original transaction or not. I think it was not as secret as the Florida project was mm. as far as making it happen, but I, I don't think that he was promoting it a lot until the orange groves were, were, were all bought. Um, right. And, and so it is, so you could argue like, well, An- maybe Anaheim, you know, if they didn't ask for that initially, and all of a sudden this orange grove turns into this insane tourist attraction, you've now got a city planning problem that you weren't, you know, uh, accounting for previously. So here, yeah, I guess a, a question: What is the point of taxes? The point of taxes, in one way, I'll just say sure. things to pay for services that an entity consumes. Sure. And if you're Disneyland, you are consuming public roads. Yep. You're consuming. Uh, I mean, you're supporting upon. A local workforce that you don't actually have to like they aren't serfs you know they aren't actually running their own boarding house for these people mm-hmm. they just live places and they're depending upon a workforce which means you're gonna have public schools public infrastructure and i mean it's disney does a lot of taking care of people themselves but they also depend upon public infrastructure too mm-hmm. so that's one thing they're paying for sure uh and and I guess the the thing is, if you look at property tax, when people are outraged about Disneyland, should they be taxed for the fact of that the they have made the land more valuable? Should they be taxed on the increment they have made the land more valuable itself? Because they've actually increased the value of the land through their own actions. And uh, sure, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, in my mind, and this is my thing. I think in a perfect world, they would be taxed at the same rate as what would Disneyland look like if it was just the crappy motels filling up the entire area? Which, yeah. That would yeah, be, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Which would not be a very- The unimproved pro- value. It would be a very yeah. unprofitable spot. Yes. Which is like- Yeah, yeah. So that's go, fair. Yeah. yeah. So- Because, yep. I mean, that still would take a lot of infrastructure. It would still take- I mean, it would still be some sort of value, but it yeah. wouldn't be- I mean, it, you might have to account a little bit for- I mean, they're obviously- consu- there's, there are- uh, 
there's going to be if if that was just motels there would be less influx and outflux of people i mean you know the city of anaheim has built multiple freeway entrances and exits just for disneyland for example you're talking about a hypothetical which is so weird yeah sure yeah 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 (laughs) which is you know what would it look like if they left it would actually i mean if disneyland woke up tomorrow and it disappeared anaheim would be screwed yes (laughs) yeah no that's definitely true i mean i think i was looking at numbers uh 19 percent of people uh anaheim jobs are work at disneyland wow Thirty-one thousand people work at disneyland wow i mean also and there are a lot of them are good jobs yeah yeah uh and as far as uh, there's a residence of anaheim though I, th- I imagine some people commute, but those are jobs that happen within the city limits. Okay, because I'm wondering. I mean, it, it's it is interesting if that's actually a model where because uh, Anaheim is. I mean, Anaheim is an okay place to live. It's not like a super desirable place where people are seeking out housing. Yeah, uh, and so I wonder if if it actually is such that. Because the the um, except in the very immediate vicinity of Disneyland, land in Anaheim is not exorbitantly expensive uh, elsewhere in Anaheim. That actually the model that 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 model is sort of working out, where those those uh, employees are able to to live not too far away. Well, we can talk about that in a bit because I, yeah. I have some stuff to talk about that okay. coming up. Uh, but I think part of this to do with originally it was just a free for all. People yeah. just built all these weird motels all around, and then in the Paul Pressler era. Anaheim and uh, uh, Cynthia Harris and Paul Pressler. I, I heard they him were name co- checked. They were co- I, don't, I don't know if Cynthia was okay. Big. Cynthia Harris and Paul Pressler were the two. Were the they were like the co-presidents or something of the Disney Resort. I, I've heard you rant um, about them. Yeah, they were terrible. Countless times. Yes. Um, just, just I mean, we don't talk about land use, but what are the major sins of them? as just running Disneyland. Uh, they were extremely cost focused, right? Of try, how do you bring down costs? So, uh, so they took over when Michael Eisner like went bigger, and they said, "Now you're the Disneyland people." Uh, I'd assume so. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm I'm looking into it now. I, I don't actually remember the exact uh, sure. uh, time. I know. Mean, I mean, no, it was around this the um, mid late nineties, mid uh, uh, late nineties and early two thousands. Sure. Oh no, actually, no. Let's see. By the time. Uh, okay, so yeah, so I found some details. So in late 1994, Pressler was tapped to become Disneyland's head executive. At Disneyland, Pressler was known for cost-cutting measures such as reducing customer service training. <laughs> That's a good one to cut down on. <laughs> um, having workers wash their own uniforms <laughs> and closing rides and shows early. He attempted to discontinue a disabled discount but was forced to back off after backlash. That's that must be so marginal. Dis, like we, discontinuing a disabled discount, and this is because like Disney, like as a whole, was just hurting from Euro Disney being, you know, a, a... that was a factor. I think also just the, it, it was just not a good phase of management, uh, sure, and, I mean, and, and not there was no eye toward the long term, which this next sentence demonstrates. With the cost cutting, Disneyland was profitable while attendance declined. Sure, yeah, I, mean, I think the <laughs> which, thing is compared to modern era, Disneyland is wildly popular and attendance is increasing like crazy. Sure, right? which has its own issues. Has its own issues, but yeah. it's a different. The the model in in current uh, Disneyland has been to invest heavily, but yeah. invest in things that that we, they know they can drive significant demand for. Making your main profit center worse is rarely a good long term yes. strategy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but okay, so Paul Pressler, and this is I'm curious exactly how much he drove it and how much Anaheim drove it. They set up the Anaheim Resort District, which was a system in the late 90s in which the resort would be would get rezoned to become cleaner and actually have its own cycle of infrastructure payments mm. they invested 510 million okay. into the area and this is city bonds uh and mm. of the massive parking lot uh which is i believe the biggest parking lot in the country the, the parking structure you mean the yes. mickey and friends parking structure yeah. yeah so when they built california adventure which which is where the disney so it used to be disneyland up north Disneyland parking lot to the south, sure. massive parking lot. Yeah, uh, you know, no uh, single story or you know, sing, flat parking lot. Huge the Bay Area Dream, area. huge parking big, lot, big, big waste of space. Yeah, uh, they then turned that parking lot into a park, which many people were nostalgic for the old parking lot for yeah. weird reasons. Uh, they turned that into a second park, Disney's California Adventure, now known as Disney California Adventure. Mm. They dropped the apostrophe S. Uh, they built a new parking structure called the Mickey and Friends parking structure, which uh, at the time, and I believe still potentially, although now they're going to build a bigger one uh, that, will be, <laughs> that will be larger, uh, was the largest parking structure in the Western Hemisphere. $108 million. To build a parking structure? Yes. Wow. And I believe this was paid through through the city's bonds. So that's weird. And so here is the weird thing about this. The city, they were all improvements that went in Disneyland directly? Or? It's There's a weird kind of uh, dependent behavior now in which the city 
says to Disneyland, it's like, please make improvements. We'll make improvements. Let's make improvements together. Mm. And then we're going to benefit. I mean, the city gets $125 million a year from taxes from Disneyland Resort and $171 million from the overall Anaheim Resort District. Okay. Uh, and what is what is the what do Disney what does Disneyland make a year? In That's a good question. I mean, I was Disneyland. trying to find out uh, some property tax details, but I couldn't find assessment information in Orange County. Uh, Handy. Um, I'm trying to see if there's. Oh, here we go. Uh, well, no, that's for Disney Park overall. Yeah, I'm trying to find a but Disney's 2.2 billion theme park profits, but that includes all theme parks. So. Sure. Here's the wackiest thing about this. So all of the money, the 171 million a year that goes into the taxes of the Anaheim Resort District, can only be spent on repaying the debt from the bonds used for improvements of the Anaheim <laughs> Resort District. It cannot go into the general fund. Wow, <laughs> which is incredibly strange. So, so that so wait, does that mean no Disney taxes actually have any impact outside of the resort district? Hotel taxes go oh. into general fund. Sure. So, I guess that's not part of the hundred twenty-five million. Mm. And well, what about sales tax for stuff in the park, stuff like that? Good question. I would like to know all the different details mm. on this, but. I knew I know at least the big chunk of the taxes within the resort district, like Vegas, stays in the resort district. Uh, and, and and so there is so I mean I, I guess definitely uh, the resort district did have measurable changes outside of just Disney Park itself. I mean there's there the the whole um, what is it Catella uh, Drive yeah West Catella Avenue, um, which runs between Disneyland and Anaheim Convention Center. That whole road is now really well maintained yeah. with a, you know benches and trees and landscaping and stuff like that where it didn't used to be. Um, now, if you get off that road yeah. uh, by a couple blocks or so, it turns back into sort of normal Anaheim, uh, which is not great. <laughs> and that, um, that is the thing people complain about. And this includes people who live in Anaheim, who are largely Disney employees and other people, mm. uh, is it's great if you're within Resort District. Mm. When you go outside, things are very badly maintained. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and here is, I think, the, the big question. Is Disneyland a NIMBY? Uh, is Disneyland a NIMBY? Um, In 2007, they set up an organization, Support Our Anaheim Resort Area, mm -hmm. uh, which SOAR. SOAR, yeah, SOARing Over California. SOAR, yeah, was, <laughs> <laughs> I do not think they used the iconography from SOARing Over California. <laughs> they should have, but they didn't. Uh -huh. uh, and this was to oppose a development of low-income housing near the Disneyland Resort. So Disneyland created an organization and mm. well, largely funded. I'm not sure. And what's what's their incentive to what's their incentive to do that? I think control. <laughs> I think really it isn't mm. in their interest to if Anaheim has no residents, then it is just Disneyland and Anaheim. The, the, right. That is the yeah. That's the that's the, the ideal. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could say that it is bad news when their employees are now more and more desperate all the time. Right, well, no, that's what I was thinking. Is like, is it wouldn't? I mean, you look at tech companies in the Bay Area, which are like very incentivized to if they could build housing right yeah. next to the you know right next to their company, yeah. where their employees could live, they would do that, and they've been trying to do that. I'm right? actually incredibly shocked. I mean, if Disneyland were to make the Disneyland barracks, yeah, where the basically. Disneyland employees yeah. yeah i mean i i think it's probably other nimbies would protest that yeah uh but so soar after they opposed and, and fought against this this uh this apartment complex then created an initiative that the city council endorsed which had voters approve all housing <laughs> So now it goes to a vote of the city if any housing, which, as we know in the Bay Area, <laughs> works out great. It means don't get any housing. <laughs> yeah, it means nothing gets built. So okay, uh, and that's and that's kind of the Anaheim story, which is in a lot of ways, I'd say, what are the good and bad of what happens here? It's I, like it's like this. Uh, it, Anaheim is is you know addicted to Disneyland. <laughs> yes, it's on the Disneyland drip. Yes, yeah, I mean, and and, it, and as a result, can't get anything else done. I think the the good is it's good that Disneyland exists because Disneyland is cool. Yeah, Disneyland's great. <laughs> Disneyland is actually of all ways to use space, it's one of the very best in the world. Yes. Uh, I think it's weird. I can't find assessment records because when they build a new thing, let's say they build the new Cars ride, sure, uh, they get taxed on improvements of the Cars ride, which is like that sucks because actually you should they should not be p penalized for for build building cool new rides. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. they are, and that I think that sucks. Yeah. Uh, but also large scale, the profits go back to Disney shareholders and normal people. 
like the, unless you own Disney stock, you don't really benefit from a whole of what is the general kind of synergy of the Anaheim Resort District and Disneyland. Well, you benefit from it existing because you can go there. Exactly. But I think insofar as now they are acting like NIMBYs and actually trying to keep residents out. Yeah, that part seems yeah <laughs> seems problematic. But that wedges in very well with part two of this, which is the Florida Project. The Florida Project. And yes. we are talking about... Uh, when they created this, I didn't realize this, there was actually a number of different projects they were looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were looking at, they called it uh, the Winter Project, Project Winter, which is Florida. Project Fall was St. Louis, Missouri. Ah, They were talking about that. Niagara Falls, Project uh, Spring. Mm, that would I guess it's near the New uh, Project York Summer, metro area. Uh, and then Monterey, California was Project Spring. So well, two in California seasons. doesn't really make sense, but yeah. Well, North, North Cal would, would be pretty cool. Oh no, it'd be cool. I'm just saying, in terms of distribution, I think they've made the right choice. I mean, it oh, sounds. No, I, I would say the slam dunk. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, St. Louis probably could have worked as well, but yeah. but Florida definitely. I mean, that 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 makes a ton of sense. Okay. I mean, so Project so, Florida. So for all of the things like all these motels, but in general, yeah. Disney was not happy with the limitations. Well, you, of, you, do you know the classic story about that of why he chose to build the Florida project? Well, what is a classic story? Uh, that uh, he observed uh, a mother and and her son or daughter. Um, getting off the uh, the Skyway, yeah, um, and you know the Skyway which which goes uh, used to go from Tomorrowland down into uh, the back of Fantasyland, hmm. um, and uh, they had just been on the Skyway. And at the top of the Skyway, it's high enough. After you, can, you go through the Matterhorn, uh, yes, you can see over the berm of the park. And so he observed a mother and and uh, her kid getting off the Skyway and and commenting to each other, "Oh, the freeway looks like it's starting to to back up. We should go home." Yeah, and Disney thought this is such a, a terrible break in the immersion of Disneyland, where because there's not enough this buffer. Guy nosy, just <laughs> sticking. Disney space. would do this all. No, he would wander the park. He would observe, and yeah. this is what you do if you understand if your product is working. Just hangs out in his apartment <laughs> in Main Street and drinks, and then goes around. And- <laughs> Follows people around the park, uh, and, and there's a similar story about Jungle Cruise uh, that I can tell as well, if you'd like. Um, so he observes uh, this this interaction, uh, and and it's like, wow, this really my my attempt to create this this uh, fantasy uh, land, <laughs> fantasy lands uh, has has failed in part because the surrounding area is is still there. There's right? nothing less fantastical than traffic. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And so unless you're not Topia, and then. that idea of just breaking them out of oh, like, okay, we we better go home now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's and the related Jungle Cruise story is he observed. Uh, I was going to ask you if it's about land use. It, not quite. Well, make it's it very brief. Uh, he observed some people coming off of Jungle Cruise, or some people near Jungle Cruise, saying, "Oh, we're not going to go on that ride again uh, because it's the, we saw it last time." And yeah. as a result, he decided he would always change up the rides on a regular basis, uh, called plussing, adding new things to the rides so that people would come back and and see and go through a ride again, even though they've already been on it. Part of the things because of the limitations of being in Anaheim is saying, "Let's go to Florida and let's create something that has the blessing of size." Mm, so the, and science. And science. I mean, he was also incredibly obsessed with cities. So he wanted to go He wanted to build Utopia. He wanted to build the the experimental prototype city of the future, community of the future, Epcot. Mm. Uh, and this was a city which would be technologically uh you know, up to date, and the urban design of it is incredible. But before he did that, he actually had to invest uh he had to buy up land. Yes. Uh, the crazy thing about this is uh, he had to do this secretly because if you hear that Disney is buying up land near you, you are not going to sell for cheap. <laughs> so what he did, he got a Florida attorney, Paul Hellowell, who was who used to work for the OSS, the predecessor uh-huh. to the CIA, uh-huh. and he was a colleague of General William Donovan, who was the head of... Of the OSS. <laughs> and so through the former head of the OSS, Disney secretly worked through a different attorney to buy up the land under uh, five different uh, shell companies. Wow. Uh, the, the corporations they set up were the Reedy Creek Ranch Incorporated, Bay Lake Properties Incorporated. I've heard these names before, yeah. Tomahawk Properties Incorporated, yep. I4 Corporation, 
and the Latin American Development and Management Corporation, which were later bought up by the shell company, the Compass East Corporation, incorporated in Delaware. These are this is brilliant. <laughs> it's it's in, and it was bought up by a bunch of spooks, you know, a bunch yeah. of CIA dudes. Yeah, which is, but they did an amazing job. They bought yeah. up uh, what is this? Uh, 27,000 acres, <laughs> which is roughly the size of San Francisco, uh-huh. of different swampland in uh, near Orlando. Yep. They're looking by Ocala land, which is actually more populous at the time. They said, no, let's, this actually makes more sense purely geographically to buy up Orlando land. Uh, and uh, they got it for $200 an acre for a total of $5 million. Wow. <laughs> That's nuts. Yes. I wonder, I mean, and, and it's contiguous. Yes, it, 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 it that's the general shape. It takes place in two counties. Yeah, cr- highway crosses through it. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a pretty impressive. And, bit and of so, land what's buying. what's that dynamic? Like, were there people inhabiting that land, or was this just empty land that people own for whatever various reasons? I believe the land was f- fairly. I think they try to even avoid anything they were farming with. I think this land was was very poorly. I mean, what would you sell for two hundred dollars an acre? I mean, you can't do a whole lot with two hundred dollars an acre. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, th- I think they they carved it out to say what is the cheapest stuff we can get. Uh, and then after you after you buy this land, you have to figure out what are you going to do to improve it. So they said uh, to avoid all the problems of what they had in California, they went to the state government and said, "We're Disney." We'd like to invest $600 million into your state and create a new hub that is going to put Florida on the map. And uh, it did. And what we wanted to you know, Prior to this, people didn't know. Prior to this, most maps of the U.S. Yeah. excluded Florida. I mean, it's, it's, it's unsightly. It's just it's, um, it's an unpleasant thing to look at. I mean, it's just, just take it off. Uh, but they said in return, they want to be able to do some things. They want to have power to control their own destiny which means that they wanted to set up a special district. A special district is something which is separate from the idea of a city or a county, uh, and it can be used for different purposes. Usually it's one purpose, like you use it for transit. You could use it for you know some sort of environmental thing like treating mosquitoes. Uh, in this case, they wanted to create a special district that did everything. <laughs> and, this, and it was signed off. The state government uh, almost unanimously... Uh, with the uh, with the help of uh, the state government, uh, almost said, "Yeah, you have a full uh, full right to do this." They were able to do everything from do zoning to create their own police force, their own court system. Uh, they can give themselves liquor licenses. Wow. So Disney asked Disney if they wanted to create a wow. liquor. They can. Uh, they can set up an airport or a nuclear plant without state or city approval. That's nice. That's very nice. I love this. Story. So is this? I mean, and and I think in in a in be. I mean, given they own, you know, this is contiguous property that they own. Yeah. And and given maybe a reasonable buffer from other property. I mean, there is essentially just a its own state. Yeah, it's it's like a right? Vatican City. Yeah, like a Vatican City, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. No, I mean, I think. All in all, it's hard to say many people are harmed from the existence of, right. of Disneyland. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, there's more swampland to go and around. No, especially if this land didn't have any intrinsic value, which it sounds like it didn't. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. And, and it's it's an interesting it's an interesting trade-off. Some people, and there's one critique of the idea of putting land taxes by Brian Kaplan of saying, if you put land taxes, you know, on, you know, the improvements, you wouldn't see people have the incentive to go to places and improve land. Disney would not have gone to Florida and improved the swampland if he could have just bought land contiguous to other areas. Which I'd say, yeah, that's true, but it's also kind of unfortunate that he only bought up swampland because he wanted to save money. You know, <laughs> if he if he in the end could have basically bought land that is more useful mm. and then not had to be penalized for the upfront costs. Well, I think in, in if you assume that everything else is perfectly efficient, then maybe it does, as I was saying earlier, make sense to put something like Disney World out in the swampland because, again, you can get there within an hour and and it's you yeah, know, and that's that's tolerable for something you don't do that often. Um, if everything else is perfectly efficient, but in reality, you have incredibly inefficient use of of much more uh, prime 
land, yeah, much closer to where people are, yeah, which would probably be better off being Disney World. Right? Yes, every time I see a front lawn, I say, I wish that was, <laughs> I, I wish that was a, a dark ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd rather have mm-hmm. a dark ride instead of your front lawn. <laughs> I say that every day. I love this story right here. This is a, uh, this is a lobbyist, J.J. Griffin, speaking to a the president of the Senate of Florida, Verl Pope. Uh, and he was explaining the Reedy Creek Charter because they're saying the Reedy Creek Im- Improvement District which contains two cities, Bay Lake and Reedy Creek, later Lake Buena Vista. So the uh, president said to him, JJ, I just have one question. Is this good for Florida? Griffin answered, yes, sir, I believe it is. Whereas Pope said, well, that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do business. That's that is how you used to do business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Look at this. Look at this. Uh, I'm looking at the map of Disney World from the air. There is a a water feature perfectly shaped like a Mickey head called Lake Mickey. Oh. I mean, the original wow. map of uh, MGM Studios is a hidden Mickey. The entire thing is laid out like mm. a Mickey. Uh, so here is the problem. Disney was obsessed with urban design. Disney wanted to create an actual, honest to God city. Oh, is that just a drainage? It's it's a it's oh, just a lake they created in the middle of a of an area. I mean, you got so much land, we might as well just. I mean, that's be, that that has to do largely with uh, flood runoff, because you want to make sure it doesn't like flood and it goes to one space. And that's uh, why you build these. Uh, yeah, actually, ponds. this this whole area looks a bit like a some sort of uh, water control area. So let's talk Epcot briefly. So the overall idea of Epcot is it is a way to experiment with how a city could be. And in a lot of ways, it is a model of how cities could be that we do not see today. Mm. What is Epcot? Epcot has an urban hub. The urban hub has this massive center core, including skyscrapers. Outside of the urban hub, there's a ring of commercial uh, shopping, etc. There is apartments, high-density apartments outside of this commercial hub. There's a green belt with recreation. And then there's a large suburban area. Mm. Within this area, there are no cars. How do people get around? People, people movers. People movers. Yes. And if you live in the suburbs, you can't. You actually have access to the outside world via car, but most people to get to work would take a people mover to the inner hub, then connect to a monorail to get to a different wow. urban urban park, which is whole, like, so, uh, would you want to spend every day riding a people mover instead of, like, riding your car? Sure. It would be cool. <laughs> I think, so, but, 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 like... Inherent in this model, though, is that the jobs that people are taking are the jobs that are in that, you know, business district. Well, in- some people would work inside of the Epcot hub. Yeah. But then he would also entice other companies like IBM and stuff to say, mm. set up an office near Epcot. Yeah. And then we'll have Epcot workers live and work for you. Sure. Yeah. Um, so what's what's the what's the problem here? This sounds perfect. One big problem. Democracy. Uh, there's in action. A- Avery versus Midland County, Avery mm-hmm. v. Midland County, is a court case that happened, uh, this is 1968. This was uh, about electing officials and saying that uh, this was, it was electing five judges and 67,000 people were responsible for one judge or one, one uh, commissioner. Mm. And then there was a couple areas that only had less than 1,000 who had each one did the other, other four. So if you lived in the 67,000 one, your vote's worthless. Yeah. And if you were one of the 800 people in this other district, you can just pick your own judge almost, <laughs> uh, commissioner. Uh, and the Supreme Court says this is not right. The one man, one vote principle has to be used, the fact that residents must be able to, uh, to select, you know, uh, to vote on who represents them. Mm. This is this creates a problem with the original idea of the Reedy Creek Improvement District, the special district, which is how do people vote? It's based upon the principle of you must be a landowner and one acre gets you one vote. <laughs> and the main landowner is Disney. So Disney gets all, all, the, votes. all the votes. Yes. Uh, so they were worried that if they have this uh, oh. this area and now they have residents like, oh, Frick, are all these are all these Epcot people going to start voting? Oh, this is going to ruin our plans. Yeah. So, uh, and there's a there's a thing here about a memo that Walt Disney wrote in uh, 1966. This is a uh, memo from the attorney Paul Hellowell, the previously aforementioned former OSS officer, mm-hmm. uh, who was saying there's problems with permanent residents. You know, if permanent residents they may vote. Walt crossed it out, and every time this permanent residency wrote. 
temporary residents slash tourists. <laughs> <laughs> so he was very cool saying, you know, I like the city idea, but maybe they shouldn't really be considered residents. <laughs> so, but then how does Lake Buena Vista or the, uh, what is it? When a, the, uh, no, sorry, Celebration USA, uh, Celebration Florida. They de-annexed it. Oh. So it is because they're afraid of the residents, yeah. it is no longer part of Disney World. Wow. Because they wanted to make sure they couldn't vote in their in their stuff. Wow. There how many residents are there? There are forty three residents within the special district. These are all core Disney employees living in a mobile park. <laughs> and they are the people who select the board supervisors for the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Are they I mean they're people with, with actual Work other work to do at Disney, or are these just forty three? I, I imagine they have day jobs. I okay. think, but they also are responsible and counted on yeah. to select supervisors, which actually represent. So, if, but if those forty three wanted to rebel, could they have a massive mutiny? Yes, <laughs> could, it, and and then we can make a movie about it called the Forty Three. That would be so cool. <laughs> I would imagine the they're they're in a, here's one thing they're in a mobile park. They don't own the land they're on. Yeah. So I think Disney could evict them if they want to. That's sure. A, this is, I want to unionize these people. Uh, so, yeah, and it's always funny. I mean, people, if nothing else, seems like they could extract a lot more money from Disney than whatever Disney's currently paying them. I, I imagine they have some <laughs> sort of compensation, which makes for the fact they're loyal. Uh the Reedy Creek Improvement Tenants Union. This would be an incredible thing. Uh, so it's always funny to go to the Reedy Creek Improvement District uh, website because it looks like every other city <laughs> city website. Uh, but it is uh, the agendas are all about improving Disney uh, Disney World properties because uh, it has that same bland. Wow. <laughs> like you would not look at this and say this is a theme park. Understanding it, our business. No, it's. I mean, I'm sure it's very intentionally. Not you know Disney branded or related to Disney here, right? And I they mean, do a lot of boring infrastructure work, servicing 19 landowners, including Walt Disney Co. <laughs> <laughs> Etc. I um, want to see the list of landowners. I mean, are there any landowners that are not Disney? Uh, I imagine probably in the downtown Disney there, they maybe have some permanent landowners. I'm not sure. Some good job postings if you want to work for the Reedy Creek Improvement District. The original plan of Disney, and I think this is funny, Epcot was going to have 20,000 residents, uh, and now it has 43. But they do have, in all the resort hotels in Disney World, there are 21,000 rooms. So the amount of what are basically rollover- Yeah, cons- tourists slash, uh, what was it again? <laughs> uh, temporary residents- uh, Slash tourists. Slash tourists. Uh-huh. And this is perhaps of all my crazy ideas. I think that there should be no such thing as citizenship. If you are a tourist, you should have all the rights of a citizen. <laughs> so I, th- I mean, this is my crazy idea. Like in my utopia, I think if you show up, you should have all the rights of anybody, uh, which I think means if you have a, a room for one night at Disney World, you should be able to vote for a supervisor. But just on that one night. Just on the one night, yes. Yeah, so, so around election season, you have a massive influx of people who, uh, well, around election season, Disney has to buy out all the hotel rooms in their own resort. Yeah. <laughs> on the day the ballots, on the on, the, on election day. Yeah, the, all the employees there are no, no, show ro- up. No rooms available. It's a way to make your employees happy. <laughs> you give your employees a free stay in... <laughs> Uh, so uh, the original idea is to make sure the taxes flow back into their own improvements and don't go out and get sucked up into different cities and, and counties. Oh yeah, wait. So so does Dis- so Disney World? What is the relationship? So do they pay? They obviously don't pay city taxes because they're in their own incorporated they own, thing. Well, they, they do. They, so they, they do they, to they, their own. They pay seventy seven million back to themselves. Sure. So the Reedy Improvement District. They they pay what? state taxes. I'd imagine. I think they have very limited state, which I mean, they aren't having a huge impact on the rest of the state, right? From a a negative, they're not they're not costing the rest of the state much money. The state had to connect highways when they created, but that was part of the agreement. One time cost, Uh, well, plus maintenance cost. But yeah, and and the state maintaining a couple highways seems like the least of their concerns. Exactly, and uh, they pay four hundred and. all in all, they pay $495 million to state sales taxes, different entertainment taxes. They do pay a good yeah. amount. Yep. $500 million, That's. I mean, I'm sure Florida likes that. Yep. But versus, I mean, I think An- the city of Anaheim is doing a lot more direct support, It's. It's. it seems like, for to, to, to prop up the, the infrastructure around Disneyland than the, city, than the state of Florida is doing to... 
support Disney World. Anaheim necessarily has to be more hands-on. Right. But part of this is a big agreement of, Disney, will you make your park better? It's <laughs> like, so here's like this song and dance. Do you follow the entertainment tax? I should have dealt with this earlier no. in Anaheim. So they have talked about for decades, what if we had $1 tax in every ticket for Disneyland? And this goes to Anaheim. Mm. I mean, I'm sure that wouldn't really cost sales That's that in, much. In, instead of a different? Well, this would just be one extra revenue source. Just, okay, some additional, yeah. And they always say, let's do this. And then Disney says, no, but let's agree on something else. <laughs> so what they said is, Disney, by 2024, you will put $1 billion in investments into your own parks, which means Star Wars Land, uh-huh. a new hotel. Uh and in, in charge that, we will not do the entertainment tax for 30 years. <laughs> so they keep on pushing this off. So, but, that, but then, that, I mean, the, that's a forcing function, though, because they're being taxed on those improvements. That's a forcing function for those taxes to happen, right? And I guess they do get the taxes back through Orange County assessors. Yeah. But the property tax is always, it's always sliced and diced, put to the city, put mm. to the state level. But if Disney that. is committing to a billion dollars of improvements or whatever, yeah. That, yeah then, then that's a pretty, like, Set okay. the 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 value is going to increase by a billion. I I think the the tax revenue and the fact that there's going to be hotels that's good directly through taxes. And secondly, yeah. it's just good for Anaheim if Disney does a good job. It's bad for Anaheim when Disney if Disney says, "Oh, you know what? Uh, Paul Pressler's back, and we're actually going to let this turn back into Orange Groves." You know, <laughs> we're just going to run this into the ground. Uh, How what, uh, uh, let's say let's say Disney buys some land in. Uh, Downtown Chicago. Downtown Chicago, yeah, and makes a virtual theme park. Um, they only lease that land. Buy some land in, I don't know, Pasadena or something. Or not, I guess Pasadena is also fairly populous. Um, uh, Susanville. Susanville, Lancaster. California. Lancaster, California. Oh, yeah. I hear that's a good investment in uh, 1960. <laughs> um, how much do you think it would cost to relocate the entirety of Disneyland there? And would it work? <laughs> well, you get the Wedway engineers to invent ways to roll an entire theme park in place. <laughs> I mean, in the future. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of Second Life. Second Life, you can just pick it up and place it. But the yeah, real well, world, you, you want you probably want to save it to your inventory. Yeah, yeah. The real world is not that uh, is mm. is not that friendly. Uh, one thing I don't understand is I was under the impression that originally they had to pay no county taxes, but they do in fact these days pay ninety two million to Orange County, mm. Florida. There's, oh, oh! There's an Orange County, Florida, <laughs> and they're in it. They're in Orange County, California, and Orange County, Florida, as well as Osceola well, that must, County. Florida. That must have sealed the deal. If it, it, being able to be in Orange County versus yeah. St. Louis, who knows what it would have been called? Uh, that's the main reason they chose is they don't change their stationery. Exactly. Hundred million uh, in property taxes to the two Florida counties, which I don't understand how that happened because uh, I thought mm. that they only had to pay themselves. But in any case, we have. Another case, just like the NIMBYism in Anaheim, in Florida, they've created a, a whole land that is, it's cool that it exists, but then again, if you are a resident there, there you can never really have equity in your own community. You know? Sure. <laughs> Which is, it, it, it's fine if it's one Anaheim here, one Florida here, but yeah. you do worry, like... In the future, do people have equity where they live, or is everyone going to be a temporary resident of a massive corporation owned what if every what if everyone was owned by disney and disney says oh no one's a, no one's a permanent resident here yeah i mean i think sure i i, I mean i i don't think that works at scale right? well clearly it doesn't work at scale i don't think that uh i i don't think seeing the fact that disney was able to do this in in sort of one and a half instances yeah means that it's something that could actually be done by a number of corporations in, a, in in enough other places that it would become that pervasive, right? No, I, I do agree, but I feel it does it does reflect back my overall worry that the world becomes friendlier if you're a landowner, and if you're just a renter, you know, then you just get squeezed. Mm. And I think that you see the people in Anaheim who don't really have equity in their own Disneyland place, yeah. they're getting squeezed, and this includes the employees, and unless you're part of the, the lucky 43... Uh, well, at least, I mean, in the Disney case, at least Disney's not just a landowner, right? I mean, Disney is. They are also doing a lot. Yes, Disney is is like creating a lot of of value yes. for a lot of people. You know, through through this use of land. It does worry me. What if one day in the future, let's say Anaheim just becomes like a vibrant community that Disneyland is just one more thing. Let mm. say, oh, let's go into just being a slumlord. It's it's too much work to be Disneyland. Well, but that's not Disney's. <laughs> like, not yet. Di- well, no, but dis- given Disney's. Um, uh, 
you know, makeup as a as a company, their resources in terms of their their people and their talent pool or whatever, yeah. uh, are and their IP are more efficiently utilized toward building a theme park than they are toward just owning high value land. Here is one. Look, you said IP. Yeah. Look at the history of Disney. Early Disney did not own a lot of valuable IP as much as they used public domain stuff sure. and just through legwork and, and grit and moxie made a lot of value out of this valueless IP. Yeah. Disney has increasingly become an IP heavy company. We don't, especially the theme parks, they mm-hmm. no longer say haunted house. That's mm-hmm. public domain. Let's make the best haunted house. Mm-hmm. Now they say, let's take Marvel properties and create what's certain to be a, a fine themed Marvel land, but it's not going to be as good as it would be if they actually had to do the work to not make the IP. To source classic public domain superheroes. (laughs) Exactly. Like Jesus. Like Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's, I mean, that's the, it's, I think that they have the tendency of just sitting on this valuable IP that does the work with, for itself. Mm. They can be more lazy. And I think they have increasingly become sitting on their laurels. Sure. Well, I mean, lazy, it's hard to describe. It's hard to describe them as lazy because they're doing a lot of very high quality work in, in, in a lot of this stuff. I think you're saying lazy from a from a lazier. I mean, it's. Yeah. I think every time there's a there's a there's a tendency of all the equity owned by Disney. It's a mixture of honest work mm. that should be celebrated and kind of just buying up stuff and sitting on it. Mm. It doesn't really help society that they buy out a, a sack of IP and say, now we own this idea. Well, no, I think it helps society they bought the Star Wars IP. I think what if every – well, it's because they bought it from one other person who owned it. Yeah, and well, they actually did – I mean, that's actually – that's very equivalent to them buying, like, land that someone's doing nothing with and then <laughs> actually building stuff on it, right? You've got this that, IP that's just sitting there. Compare that if George w- Lucas w- just let it fall into the public domain. Well, I mean, sure, that would be <laughs> – that would be incredible, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then all the men's rights activists could really make their dream picture, and it would be perfect. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's the general the, – the general I th- questions I have on what is – what is the trade-off between the uh, the improvements of a place like Disney and the I think what is inher- inherently kind of NIMBY things saying you cannot be a resident in our backyard, <laughs> and they created their own backyard. It is, it is weird how it's it's a it's a mix of those of those two. Yeah, yeah, it's got elements of both. I think as but I I did want to at some point here uh, just name some of the places around uh, Disneyland. Oh, absolutely, it's, it's solid solid segments. Just go for it. <laughs> Okay, um, so we've got. So I, I mentioned it earlier, but we do. Oh, hold on, I switched to map mode here. Um, we do have the lovely uh, Magic Mouse Townhouse. Uh, <laughs> ta- Magic Mouse Townhouses Vacation Rentals. Who is this Magic Mouse? <laughs> I don't know. I could be. I'm could be sure anyone. It's not. It's not Mickey because that's that's very protected. I'm sure it's some other Magic Mouse. I'm sh- I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't. Uh, why would Why would they want to? Uh, speaking of IP, why would they want to mess with, uh, the, with the, Mickey? The Aesop's Mouse who took the thorn out of the line. Paw. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty magic mouse. Uh, we've got Castle Inn and Suites. Good. Again, I mean, I don't know what castle they're talking about. There's a lot but, of castles. Yep. Uh, we've got Candy Cane Inn. <laughs> <laughs> there is no, there is no candy iconography within Disneyland. No, but it's kind of there's just so yeah. There's actually I'd say there's well there's there's three types of business around Disneyland. <laughs> One is um, the one is just the big chain that just has an outpost there. So there's a McDonald's here, there's a Hyatt here, there's whatever else, right? Sure. Second is there's the ones that are very directly like the ones I just named, um, uh, like Magic Mouse, very directly trying to seem like they're an official Disney thing. Yeah. As close as they can get without getting sued out of existence. Sure. Um, and then the third type is these ones that just trade on like a general attitude of whimsy and <laughs> magic. Yeah. Uh, but without any specific tie into any Disney thing. So I think Candy Cane Inn fits into that category there's also another one that uh i'm having trouble finding do you think inching closer to infringing on copyright actually nets you more money because you get no not no because you will get more people like oh this must be the official one i mean maybe but this one is the magic mouse i have i just i do have a hard time believing there's also two denny's very close to disneyland um i've been to both of them Uh, which one's better uh the um they're about they're the same they're denny's (laughs) Um, uh, there's, um, oh, here, Alpine Inn. That's the other one I was thinking of. Alpine Inn, which is, is great. If you look at the roof of the Alpine Inn, it's, yeah. uh, it's, is this, there's snow on it. And in this case, so, so this to, to, to me, you know, the Alpine Inn is trading here on a, 
this looks like it maybe could be part of the park if part of the park was designed very poorly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... It's the uncanny valley of, of trying to match the Disney magic. Yes. And so what I can see here is you look at the Alpine and you think, you know, as a parent who maybe is... is just able to make make do in terms of, of affording a Disney uh, Disneyland vacation, you could take your kids to the Alpine Inn, and it might be just close enough that yeah. that your kids think they're staying in a Disney hotel, and that's and that's enough for you. Let's be very clear: these motels are, by every measure, insanely profitable. Oh, I'm sure because these yes. are protected by Prop 13 because they <laughs> they largely exist for decades, and then on top of it is they don't do a lot to really. It doesn't cost them much, but because Disneyland is a draw, they get a lot of revenue. Yes, yeah, so, they could charge way more for the rooms. In, um, a, in a world without Prop 13, in fact, with a world with a land tax, uh, these places would effectively be ruined. And mm-hmm. Disney would actually have the ability to buy up the land and expand. Mm-hmm. Would this be a good thing? Uh, probably. I'd say definitely. For this area, yeah. Is it better to have a Magic Mouse, this very badly run motel, or would it be better if Disney was able to create a new resort nearby? I'd say it would well, actually... Uh, we, we, don't, we don't know anything about whether Magic Mouse is, is, is well, well run or not. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we make no endorsements here. This is me speculating. <laughs> um... And actually, Magic Mouse was a uh, townhouse's vacation rentals. Yeah. <coughs> it has a 3.9 star rating on uh, Google Maps for whatever that's worth. I I would like to see if any cities would ever take the the Disney approach to how you like run an urban hub, which I feel like your downtown, you should never be able to park near your downtown. That's So, I mean, I guess, yeah, can we spend a bit of time on interior Disneyland? Yeah, so let's, uh, okay. this is the final portion of the show. Let's yeah. talk about kind of urban design tricks. In tips. Disneyland, it, yeah, uh, uh, seven seven great seven handy tips for urban design in Disneyland. Sure. So, um, so yeah, so you've got a main street. That main street has a few vehicles on it. Yeah. But those vehicles are shared public streetcars. Sure. Uh, and carriages. And this is the main main street, which every foot of the main street is incredibly well used, mm-hmm. as opposed to how do cities tend to do this? Drive around El Camino, you're going to see a lot of strip malls. Mm-hmm. And when you have walkable, dense areas with no cars, uh, yeah, it, you get a lot more value per square foot. I, I, I had not seen this before, but there's a, there's a shop in Disney called in Disneyland on Main Street called Castle Bros. <laughs> 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 I, okay. I mean, it's Castle Brothers, but oh, okay. Castle Bros. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, very, very uh, um, efficiently used Main Street with no um, uh, no traffic on it except those those public shared vehicles. Sounds like the Palo Alto Dream. No traffic. Yeah, uh, you've got a theater. Yeah, uh, several theaters actually on Main Street. You then go into this hub area, and and what Disneyland is famous for is this idea of you are in the middle of the hub, and you see what in the theme park business are called weenies, sure, which are these these landmarks in each various land themed land, which sort of draw your eye in and draw you toward moving so into that land. Tomorrowland is the Astro Orbiter. Yes, Tomorrowland's got the Astro Orbiter. Uh, Frontier has the gate. Fantasyland has the castle. Frontierland has the the Old West gate with yeah. the and, and to a degree Thunder Mountain. You can kind of see um, in, in the distance, uh, and then um, and then Adventureland has the um, uh, tiki. the Tiki Room and the and the associated Tiki torches and all that sort of stuff. And the, and the gate. And, and the gate. Uh, lots of gates. Um, and so uh, so I don't know if there's necessarily a direct urban planning uh, lesson there, but it is a nice study in in designed space. Sure. And and sort of uh, creating these natural, well, not natural, but these these these. Uh, <laughs> she was lucky to find the best orange growth. Just, this sprouted. <laughs> these these uh, um, artificial um, uh, ways to to uh, orient yourself uh, without needing uh, specific maps or directions or, or or whatnot to sort of have a sense for the city without having to have direct knowledge of what's where. And it's worth mentioning, like instead of the how we see most city councils run, which is a lot of direct central planning, but with a lot of different uh, stakeholders. Who a lot are of process. Voters. Yes, and a lot of process, which it's very hard to make anything really coherent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they, in fact, have the power to really maximize every square foot, mm-hmm. which is kind of a thing. If you're going to do, if you're going to do planning, either go big or go home. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, so the other uh, dynamic at play in Disneyland is is um, their uh, use of backstage space as well. 
And so yeah. it's really fascinating always to look at how they're using the backstage areas. They did. They used to have a, a horse corral on site for all the horses for um, for for the Main Street uh, carriages, etc. Um, they've moved the horse corral off site. They're now bringing the horses in every day because they're replacing that backstage area with Star Wars land. Mm. And so increasingly they've moved, they've really optimized as much space as they can toward the public facing aspects. And they've moved the infrastructure either underground or off site or into uh, show buildings that, that are hidden in negative space in various places in the park. And while Disney world, they famously have everything happen underneath they yes. built it above the ground and have a series of tunnels which is incredibly cool but compare that to most cities if you have business like loading zones and all this in, in traffic which is infrastructure it does the same uh it uses the same infrastructure as what the public facing kind of consumer facing things are which is you could imagine a city could work much better if you think about infrastructure in this way Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, two more points. One is uh, the rivers of America. I think are a nice. Um, you've got this. Uh, you've got this space built out around um, around these the, this river system. You have got an island in the middle of the river system with a sort of essentially the equivalent of a public park on it. Even though uh, or they, a playground. Even though they use space effectively, they still have a lot of green space. Yes. So there's there's this nice green space here, and the way it's designed, you have really three different lands. Uh, uh, and soon to be four with uh, with Star Wars Land that make use of the Rivers of America as a central green space sure. that crosses across all those lands, which I think is a really nice use of of space. And then finally, you have Autopia, which is a nice study in in a in a land without cars. How are people going to have fun driving? Yeah, well, you give them a, a a little mini racetrack in the middle of uh, your your area, which lets them. Uh, feel like they're driving cars. So do you think uh, everybody in Palo Alto would be happy if we shut down all the streets and then they can just have one Autopia? Exactly. I'd say I say build one Autopia uh, somewhere on maybe uh, like Page Mill area. Yeah. And then and let everybody drive cars in loops. Yeah. And the, the, <laughs> and of course the problem is where does everyone live and how do they get places? Oh, they live and that's- just down the just down the monorail line. You take the monorail over to You take the, the people mover? And or the rocket rods. <laughs> People move or the rocket rods. Well, that just gets you around Tomorrowland. Yeah, but I'm to saying, if you expand this, I mean, I love the whole, it's a it's a spider web design in, in the Epcot. And mm. it's, I mean, if we, if you have, uh, and this is a concept that was proposed by uh, different economists. This is a paper uh, William Vickery wrote, the city is a firm. Saying if you imagine what the purpose of a city is in actually delivering investment to its infrastructure and serving the people use it, it is run more or less the same way a business is running in the same way Mm. Disneyland would be running Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And instead of that, we don't really see most cities run in that way. Disneyland is able to say, like a firm, in a sense of you have a lot of efficiency in changing stuff up, moving places, Mm -hmm. a city with a bunch of homeowners who control things... Uh, isn't able to say, let's move the city park here. Your houses go here. You move there. No. Everything is essentially... Well, Disneyland has the benefit of not having any permanent residents. Yes. But so you... if they move a hotel, for example, it's not that big of a deal because next year you come back and stay at a different, in a different, slightly different place, right? <laughs> There's an assumption you're making there, which is if you're a permanent resident, you have stability for one inherent plot of land and to control your environment around you. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could imagine you have the right to remain and have equity, mm-hmm. but you actually do- But your specific place where you have that equity can change. You know what's similar to that? What? Living on Stanford campus. When I was here, I lived in I lived in Crothers Memorial Hall. Yeah. And then they said, we're now moving you down to Blackwater Court. Sure. And I say- You're, you, you get housing, but you can't decide where it is. <laughs> and yeah. you know what I said? You're the boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it. Yes. And it was fine. Actually, it wasn't great because it wasn't as close, but it was fine. Mm. And uh, I had limited equity. As a student to make democratic decisions, which is some, diff- some. I mean, it wasn't exactly like no residents in the way that uh, Reedy Creek is, mm. but it has one different model. And I'd say if more cities were run like college campuses and like theme parks, it may <laughs> offer a different way that cities could actually treat people in a way they actually like better because is it more fun living near the core of stanford campus or living uh in kind of a uh, an area of mountain view 
what, what has more? They both have their advantages. Well, what do they describe? Um, each, I mean, each the core of Stanford campus was uh, was ni- certainly nicer to walk around. Sure, very beautiful campus. Yeah, um, quicker access to other people. Absolutely, a lot of other people. People comment that if you think about the time in their life that they actually were closest to friends to enjoy the most, it happens to coincide with the brief amount in their life they're in a walkable area to yeah. where their friends lived. Yes, which yeah. is very hard to recreate when you leave a college campus. Yeah, I, I've been in that situation for <laughs> <That's> <laughs> recently true. for last couple of years though. Yeah, so. well, it's uh, we have at least Some, sometimes it works of, out. One set of friends, one set of friends, within yeah. walking distance, uh, and it's soon to be uh, even more. So, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, you made it work. Uh, I made it work. Um, the you just have that's that's the you just have to uh, find a compound. Yes, where you you know you can just all live in various parts of the compound. Um, so okay, one last thing. Yes, before we close, I've in panning around Google Maps, I've realized that the uh, roof of the soon to be demolished ESPN zone in downtown Disney, RIP, RIP, uh, is a baseball diamond. <laughs> Oh, that's there's, cool. There's a baseball field on the roof. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's a working baseball field in that it appears to just be a tinted color on some sort of like mesh or something. I can't really tell exactly what's happening. Yeah. But anyway. Well, one one final piece of trivia. Yeah. What, what am I pointing at here? You're pointing at Spaceship Earth. Spaceship Earth, mm-hmm. named in after. Epcot, named after the the globe, the world, the, the, this spaceship that we live on. I, it was popularized in the 60s by uh, Buckminster Fuller, the idea of Operation Guide or Operation Manual to Spaceship Earth. The first time, if you go to the Wikipedia page for Spaceship Earth, first time it has ever been used. Uh, Spaceship Earth or Spaceship Earth is a worldview encouraging everyone on Earth to act as a harmonious crew working toward the greater good. The earliest known use is a passage in Henry George's best-known work, Progress and Poverty, 1879, Book 4, Chapter 2. It is a well-provisioned ship. This on which we sail through space. If the bread and beef above decks seems to grow scarce, we but open a hatch and there is a new supply, of which before we never dreamed. And very great command over the services of others comes to those who, as the hatches are opened, are permitted to say, this is mine. So it's it's a well-provisioned ship. Uh, so if you look at the IP of Henry George... You have Spaceship Earth. You can steal that from Epcot. Mm. You have Monopoly. I mean, that's that's. Mm. So I mean, I think you have enough to start a whole Henry George themed uh, theme park. So that's that's what I'm going for. Ah, uh, yes, the Henry George Park. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, for being here today. We we're talking to Alan Joyce. Uh, any any other brief plugs while you're here? Um, well, uh, I do a podcast with you. Yeah. Called Earful of Cocktail. It's about the movie Cocktail. Nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight movie Cocktail fascinating studies of land use in that movie it's mostly about land use it's well you make it about land land use uh and um so earfulcocktail.com is the place to find that it's great yep and what else uh i do a a secret podcast now not worth mentioning not worth mentioning that was talk about land use the disney parks with alan joyce this has been the henry george program you can find this episode and previous programs at seethecat.org. This is a presentation of KZSU Stanford. <laughs>